Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Amara, and this is Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast. On this episode of Black Girl Gone, we tell the story of Alexis Scott, a 20-year-old woman who disappeared from Peoria, Illinois on September 23, 2017. On the night Alexis vanished, she attended a party but left shortly after arriving. The next morning, Alexis didn't come home. Four years later, Alexis is still missing and her family is still searching for answers. What happened to Alexis that night? This is Alexis' story. In recent years, people's awareness about sex trafficking has increased. There was a time when human trafficking and sex trafficking were things a lot of Americans thought happened mostly outside of the United States. And I was one of those people. I mean, human trafficking or sex trafficking just didn't seem like something that could happen here. I mean, how could someone be taken and then sold to other people right here in the great old U.S. of A.? And no one notices. But it is happening here, just like it's happening everywhere. And young women of color are amongst the most vulnerable. There are some contributing factors that make someone more vulnerable to be trafficked, but just know, it could happen to anyone. People don't always get trafficked by force or after being kidnapped. Manipulation and coercion are also tactics used by traffickers. And sometimes there are people that know their victims and are able to prey on them. But regardless of how someone is sex trafficked, they are victims. In 2019, the Polaris Project received 11,500 reports of sex trafficking involving over 22,000 people. Now, Alexis Camry Scott was one of those people in 2017. The story of what happened to Alexis is a mystery, but her story has gotten, you know, some attention, but nowhere near enough. And regardless of what Alexis' lifestyle was or her career choices, she was and is a victim. The media doesn't get to decide that someone isn't worthy because they were mentally ill or because they were sex workers or because they were minority. They still deserve to have their stories told, whether they lived in the projects and had five kids with different fathers or were married to their high school sweethearts and living in the suburbs, whether they were doctors or strippers, it doesn't matter, but their lives and their stories do. So Alexis had grown up in Peoria, Illinois, and she had lived there with her mother, April, and her siblings. And April said that growing up, Alexis was a vibrant, happy child who loved to have fun. And she was very close to both her mother and her siblings. 
In July 2015, Alexis gave birth to a son. She named Tevin. And Alexis was still living at home during this time, and her mom was helping her. You know, she was a new young mom, and, and April was helping Alexis get adjusted to her new life with a new baby. And Alexis, like a lot of young mothers, was really just trying to find her way. Now, in 2017, Alexis was living with her mom, her son, and her brother in Peoria. On Friday, September 22nd, 2017, Alexis was at home with her mom, her son, and her brother. Now, Alexis's case was recently featured on Investigation Discovery Channel's show, The Missing. And in that episode, her mom, April, retells the events of that night. So it was a normal Friday night for the family, according to April. And it was starting to get late. So she said to Alexis that it was time for Tevin to go to bed. And April, grandma, would typically put Tevin to bed for Alexis. Now, April said that normally when Tevin went to bed, then she would go to bed also because, you know, she would have to lay down with him until she fell asleep and she would often fall asleep also. And so April took Tevin and they both went to bed that night. Now, Alexis and her brother had stayed up and they were talking and Alexis was scrolling through social media and texting with friends. Now, according to Alexis's brother, at around 11 p.m., between 11 p.m. and midnight, Alexis left to go to a party. Now, at 20 years old, it wasn't unusual for Alexis to go out, especially on a Friday night. But when April woke up on Saturday morning and Alexis wasn't home, she felt like something was not right. Now, according to April, if Alexis went to a party, she was usually home by the time the sun came up. So April asked her son, you know, where Alexis was, and he told his mom that she had left the night before, and he told her that, you know, a car picked Alexis up, and that was the last time that he had saw her. Now, April and Alexis had made plans for Saturday, and so April started to call Alexis's phone, but Alexis isn't answering her phone. And so for April, the worry is starting to kind of set in. April decided to start calling Alexis's friends to see if anyone had heard from her or seen her, but she wasn't really getting any answers from her friends. Now, April also decided to go to Facebook. Alexis was very active on Facebook, and so she decided to put a post up on Facebook asking if anyone had seen Alexis, but she didn't get any responses. So April continues calling Alexis's phone. You know, maybe Alexis has just stayed out too late and was asleep at a friend's home and, you know, just hadn't come home and hadn't gotten a chance to call her mom yet. But when Saturday came and went, and then Sunday, April's hope that Alexis was just going to show up began to fade. By Tuesday, September 26, there had still been no word from Alexis. None of her friends had spoken to her, and her social media had no activity. In 2018, April did an interview for the podcast The Vanished. And in that episode, she said that she was driving around Peoria looking for Alexis when she saw an acquaintance of Alexis's outside of a local gas station. And she said that she spoke to the man, and she asked him if he had seen Alexis. And he told April that he hadn't seen Alexis since the weekend. 
And when she asked him to clarify, he tells April that he and another man picked Alexis up on Saturday night. So she now knows who Alexis left with that night when she left her house. He then goes on to tell April that the three of them, you know, rode around for a few hours, you know, smoking weed, talking, you know, they were just chilling. He said that at some point he got tired and he wanted to go home. But before they dropped him off, he said that Alexis got a text from someone inviting her to a party. He told April that they then dropped him off at his house and that was the last time that he had seen Alexis, but that the driver had agreed to drop Alexis off at the party. And so April said that she asked him to call the driver so that she could ask him what he knew about Alexis's whereabouts. The man told April that after they dropped the other guy off, that he took Alexis home so that she could change her clothes. He said he then drove her to the house where the party was happening. He told April that when Alexis got out of the car, that he wasn't sure which house she had gone into. There was apparently, you know, a lot of people outside at that time. There was a few porches that had a lot of people on it. So he wasn't exactly sure which home she had went into. At least that's what he told April. So now this information, you know, it gives April more pieces of the puzzle. She's finding a little bit more about Alexis's potential movements that night. But, you know, up until that point, she really didn't have any information at all besides the fact that she had left. But something doesn't seem, you know, right about this story or something slightly off. Because they don't know anything about Alexis coming back home that night after she left. So April goes home and she asks her son, you know, if Alexis had come back that night. And he says no. He said that when Alexis left, that he had locked the door and that Alexis did not have a key. And so when she needed to come back in the house, she would often knock on her brother's window to get back in. And she never did. Also, if Alexis was, you know, had come home and changed her clothes, then the clothes that she left in would probably be somewhere in the house. So on Wednesday, September 27th, April called the police to report her daughter missing. April said a detective came out and spoke to her, and she told the detective about what she had learned from the man at the gas station. And so the detective decided to start there. Now, he went to the gas station, and when he came back, according to April, his energy was different. Now, in the interview on The Vanished, April said that when the detective first arrived, he was, you know, upbeat, probably, you know, optimistic. But when he came back from speaking with the man at the gas station, his entire demeanor had changed. And April asked him, you know, why? Why, you know, what was, what was wrong? And he wouldn't say. But clearly something he had learned during that conversation had changed what he thought was going on. So who exactly were these men that we know now know Alexis was picked up by the night that her family last saw her? Well, that takes us back about three weeks before Alexis went missing. Like a lot of young women, there were things that Alexis was doing in her life that she did not necessarily want her mom to know. Now, Alexis at some point had begun dancing at parties and serving as what she called eye candy for men at parties. 
Alexis was a young mom and a young woman. And, you know, stripping and sex work is often an easy way for women to make a lot of money quickly. Unfortunately, it also often puts them in high-risk situations. So, in August 2017, Alexis and a friend, a few friends, got invited to Vegas to work at a party. The man who had invited them was a self-described party promoter, and he would find women for these parties to dance and to entertain. Now, he had apparently purchased the tickets for April and her friends to go to Vegas. But according to April's mom, who at the time wasn't aware of April's lifestyle, she said that she was against Alexis going to Vegas. But Alexis decided that she wanted to go anyway, and so she went. Now, according to reports, initially everything was fine when they first arrived in Vegas. But shortly after getting there, they found out that the party that they were supposed to be going to was canceled. Now, what happened next isn't exactly clear, but the people who went to Vegas with Alexis returned without her. April says that during the time that Alexis was gone, that she had called Alexis several times, but each time that she called her, that either her friend would answer or the man that they went with would answer. A week after Alexis was supposed to have returned from Vegas, April received a call from a woman who said that she had found Alexis in California on the street in the fetal position, fully naked. She told April that Alexis told them that she had been kidnapped and forced into prostitution, but she had managed to escape from her kidnapper somehow. Now, the woman on the phone said that they took Alexis to a local Walmart to buy her some clothes, and then they called her to tell her that they had found Alexis. But the story that April was getting from this stranger was insane. I mean, she didn't know what to think. And so, you know, she said, well, I need to speak to Alexis, first of all, to make sure that it's really her. April said when Alexis got on the phone that she could hear that something was very wrong with Alexis. But Alexis didn't want to tell her mom what happened. She said it was too much to talk about and just asked her mom to, you know, get her home. So her mom purchased her a bus ticket, and it was from California to Chicago. Now, all the while, April really doesn't know exactly what happened to Alexis. So Alexis gets on a Greyhound, and when she gets to the Greyhound station in Chicago, the two men who picked her up that Friday night were the people that ended up picking her up from the bus station in Chicago and bringing her back to Peoria. And so that is their connection to Alexis. Apparently, they were people that she knew from around town, and they ended up kind of not really rescuing her, but they ended up picking her up from the bus station in Chicago and bringing her back home after she had this crazy ordeal from Vegas to California. So when, you know, according to April, when Alexis returns home, you know, she still will not tell her mom exactly what happened in Vegas. But April could see that Alexis had bruises on her body, but she, you know, didn't want to tell her mom exactly what happened. And it's later reported that she had fears that her mom would possibly report it to the police. 
But it wasn't until after Alexis disappeared that April would learn exactly what happened to her daughter on her trip to Vegas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So while police started their investigation, April did too. She wanted to find out more about what happened to Alexis when she was in Vegas. You know, maybe the mystery of her disappearance is related to what happened, you know, in Vegas. On Alexis's Facebook page, she had talked about the incident in Vegas, saying that she had been kidnapped and forced to do things that she didn't want to do. She also said that she couldn't say much because she felt like people were watching her. So April reached out to several of Alexis's friends to find out if Alexis had spoken to them or told them anything in the days leading up to her disappearance. April spoke to one of Alexis's friends and asked her if she knew anything about Alexis's trip to Vegas, because at this point, April still didn't know exactly what had happened. And she was hoping that, you know, she would be able to give April a little bit more insight about, you know, what happened to her daughter. So the friend tells April that Alexis told her that, you know, she was afraid that people were looking for her and that they knew where she lived. And she shared a message with April where Alexis had confided in another friend about her fears. But the friend wouldn't tell April exactly why people would be after Alexis. Now, despite knowing what happened to Alexis three weeks earlier, her friends were not more forthcoming with the information even after Alexis went missing again. So April decides that she needs to tell the police about what happened to Alexis three weeks before. When Alexis first went missing, April wasn't sure if her trip to Vegas had anything to do with her vanishing. But when she spoke to Alexis's friends and found out that Alexis was afraid that someone was after her, she started to realize that perhaps the two incidents were connected. Now, police had begun their investigation by going to the location of the party where the male acquaintance had dropped her off in the early morning hours that Saturday. Now, police have said that they immediately started investigating Alexis's disappearance, including searching the home where the party was held. But according to April, the police waited 26 days before they executed a search warrant on the property. Now, police said that they spoke to several people that attended the party that night, and several people recall seeing Alexis at the party. They told police that Alexis arrived at the party a little after 5 a.m., but left shortly after. Now, witnesses had initially told investigators that Alexis left in a car, but when surveillance footage near the party contradicted that, at least one of the partygoers told police that she was actually intoxicated that night, so she really couldn't remember what happened. Now, police have never been able to find out exactly how Alexis left the party that night. When police checked her phone records, they could see that Alexis had been texting someone that night who was at the party, and that the last activity on her phone happened right before she went into the party. And after that, all activity, including her social media posts, 
stopped. Police said that they executed several search warrants on the phones of people that were at the party, but they found nothing. Without any reliable witnesses from that night and no surveillance footage revealing Alexis's movements, the trail started to go cold for investigators. April was doing everything she could to bring awareness to what happened to Alexis. She used social media and created a Facebook page to spread information and ask for tips. And the community helped to organize searches and create missing person flyers for Alexis, but the searches were turning up nothing. Police were receiving tips from the public too. And, you know, they followed up on these tips and used cadaver dogs to search areas around Peoria, but still nothing was turning up. Everything that Alexis left with that night was also missing, including her cell phone. Now the tips continued to come into the police, but the leads were really taking them nowhere. The national media never picked up Alexis' story. And once people learned that Alexis lived what's considered a high-risk lifestyle, they really didn't care. In the weeks and months following Alexis' disappearance, not knowing was the hardest part for April. Before going mixing, Alexis had this terrible experience where she had been sex trafficked and found naked on the other side of the country, and now she's missing. Like in most of these stories, what the police say they're doing and what the family feels like they're doing differ. April believes that the police have not done everything that they could and believes that critical evidence was missed when police did not search the house where the party was for almost a month. April believed that police ultimately thought that Alexis was just a runaway and that's why they weren't pouring their resources into finding her. It's not clear if or how much the police looked into what happened in Vegas. I mean, there isn't much information about what the police found out about her trip to Vegas or whether or not they had spoken to the people she had gone to Vegas with. But with no suspects or persons of interest being named, it's hard to figure out who exactly the police spoke to. Now, sex trafficking is something that is handled by federal law enforcement because trafficking often involves you know, people being taken across state lines. And the detectives in Alexis's case said that they passed on the information about Alexis being sex trafficked to the FBI, but no one ever reached out to April. And the detective said that when, you know, he spoke to the FBI agent about Alexis's case, that they told him that there were no signs of human trafficking that they could see. But that wasn't satisfying for April. After learning about what happened to Alexis, April was convinced that the people responsible for what happened in Vegas are also responsible for what happened to Alexis this time around. A few months after Alexis vanished, her mom found out that the home where the party was held was owned by a man who was friends with the man who took Alexis to Vegas. But whoever that man is that took Alexis to Vegas has never been revealed by police. Police say that they spoke to everyone who attended the party the night Alexis was last seen. They also say that they spoke to the homeowners who have been cooperative. They searched abandoned houses, lakes, and ponds. They looked at surveillance footage from around the city, but nothing stood out. There was no signs of Alexis. A few months after Alexis disappeared, police received a tip that they thought might be a huge break in the case. 
Someone called into the police to report that on the morning that Alexis disappeared, that he had been asked to move some items from the home where the party was. The witness told police that the items he was asked to dispose of was a piece of carpet and a bloody mattress. He said that the items were inside of the U-Haul truck, and he was asked to take them outside of town and to burn them. Now, according to April, he told police that there was more blood on the items in the U-Haul than he'd ever seen in his life. He led police to the location where he said he had taken the items and burned them. And when police went to the location, they were able to find a burn pile with the items the witness said that he had burned. But there was no other evidence. And if there was blood on the items, it was probably destroyed in the fire. Now, the police did take some of the things into evidence and they, you know, took it for testing. But I couldn't find any information about the results of what they found. However, I think it's safe to say and safe to assume that they didn't find much since they, you know, still haven't made any arrests or named any people of interest, persons of interest. It will be four years next month since Alexis vanished and her family really has no more answers than they did four years ago. If anything, they have more questions. Her family firmly believes that the people who kidnapped her in Vegas are responsible for what happened to Alexis when she came back home. So many of the same people involved in her trip to Vegas were connected to what happened that night. Now, police say that this case is still active, but there's been no new information, no new leads, nothing. Police do believe, however, that Alexis is dead. And April has also resigned herself to the fact that, in spite of not having answers, she too believes that Alexis is dead. The story about what happened to Alexis is a mystery. But what's not a mystery is why her story hasn't gotten more attention outside of Peoria. We have all been young, we have all made stupid choices, and at one point or another, we have all been guilty of going somewhere our parents told us not to go. But nothing that happened to Alexis in 2017 did she deserve. Being a perfect person and living a perfect life is not a factor in whether or not your life matters. Alexis Camry Scott was a mother, she was a daughter, and she was a sister. And someone knows what happened to her. April is still searching for answers. And the only way she can get them is by keeping Alexis's story alive. People need to know what happened to Alexis. They need to know her story. The people responsible for what happened to her need to know that there are people out there that are still looking for her and still talking about her. Alexis Camry Scott was 20 years old when she went missing from Peoria, Illinois on September 23, 2017. She is five foot, one inches tall. And at the time she disappeared, she weighed approximately 115 pounds. If you have any information about Alexis or her whereabouts, please contact the Peoria, Illinois Police Department.
Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.